0: You're listening to a podcast from the University of Warwick. This series was produced as part of the conference All Together Now, British Theatre After Multiculturalism. The conference is organised in collaboration with the British Theatre Consortium. In this episode we hear from Vicky Featherstone, Artistic Director of the National Theatre of Scotland, speaking as part of the panel discussion A National Theatre. Thank you very much. Um, Uh, the last time I was actually in here was um, with my uh, small-scale touring company, Payne's Plough, that I ran um, before I got this job, um, and uh, it was with a production called Tiny Dynamite that was a co-production with Frantic Assembly. If I'd imagined then that I'd be sitting next to Richard Eyre talking about national theatres, it's very interesting how the kind of world shifts, um, as indeed I think uh, the theatre community in Scotland would agree, because um, uh, whether it's a kind of fictional 100 years... but the same hundred years, um, the theatre community in Scotland were looking for and discussing their rights to have a national theatre of their own. Um, And um, it was with Devolution, that great nationalist act um, that took place in Scotland, that um, the National Theatre of Scotland came about. Um, I can't take um, any praise for the model of the National Theatre of Scotland. Um, It came about after a lot of discussion, debate um, working parties about what a model should be for a modern national theatre, and indeed, um, I think Hamish Glenn is here today, he was part of that conversation, um, and uh, it was a democratic model um, that came about. It was one that wasn't to be building-based, that was to incorporate working with the entire theatre community, um, and I think represents the kind of the sort of a uh, way forward in a way for the way that theatre can continue to be accessible. Um, Jack McConnell in his St Andrew's Day speech in 2003 talked about he was the first First Minister in Scotland, Labour First Minister, and he talked about how culture was going to be at the very heart of uh, the policy of the new parliament um, in Scotland, and indeed the SNP still say that. So culture is closer to the kind of politics of Scotland than anything that I've ever known um, in in England. Being English, I was hugely sceptical about the word national. Um, uh, Healthily so, because for me, national is always with a capital N, um, is always jingoistic, is always something that I was trying to reject, was always something that was never going to be as accessible as it should. Um, And um, I always carry the kind of weight and embarrassment of the British Empire as all healthy and uh, and kind of uh, clever British people should. Um, However, The thing that excited me about it was two things, one was the model, Um, The model, as I said, where there was going to be no building, it was going to be a commissioning body, working with the existing theatre community and looking to how it could tell contemporary stories and be innovative in terms of Scotland today. Um, That was one thing. And the other thing was the role of theatre in Scotland, as I understood it. Um, Again, um, having grown up in in theatre in England and always kind of found that thin line between what we defined as elite and successful and got more money, um, and the rest of it that didn't. Um, So... uh, The model in Scotland, which had been very exciting for me, was that there was no great literary canon of theatre. There was no Shakespeare in Scotland, although of course the Scottish can understand Shakespeare. um, But um, there there was no Shakespeare. Um, There were no kind of great lists of plays that we should be putting on um, that were kind of known by the community in Scotland. Um, And the Scottish theatre tradition had been demotic. It was to do with variety, it was to do with stories being told in different ways. It had been a more working class theatre tradition. At one point in Glasgow, there were 50 theatres that were full every night um, over a kind of 20-year, 30-year period, which was to do with variety, comedy, music, um, and everybody felt that they had access to that. Um, and then theatre kind of found its own in Scotland um, with the advent of companies like 784, the Travers Theatre, um, and when writers found that they could put their own voices on stage for the first time. Um, so for me the fact that uh, Scottish theatre felt that it was kind of in its heart political but also had to be contemporary because there wasn't a history of it, those two things were the most exciting thing for me. Um, Scottish identity has been an interesting and uh, kind of hugely debated topic uh, at the National Theatre of Scotland and I think what's interesting for us is that um, There is no such thing as Scottish identity, Um, and in England, before I went to Scotland, in the same way um, as Richard uh, thought that it may be an illusion, um, I'd believe that there was such a thing. And the thing that's extraordinary about Scotland is it is truly diverse. Um, There is very little uh, kind of connected up cultural thinking you, it, it's located around whether you're from the, uh, an island, whether you're from Glasgow, whether you're from Edinburgh, um, and there hasn't been a kind of hegemonous way of kind of culture being fed out. Um, that really excites me, and that really fed into the model of how we created our artistic policy. Um, and I think, if anything, that's, a, that's an interesting part of the conversation for today. Um, the reason being that without a building to fill, without that kind of pressure of the millstone around the neck of filling an auditorium every single night of the year, we're able to go, what are the stories stories that need to be told, who are the people that need to be telling them, how do we develop their voices, who are the audiences that they should be going to, and where do those audiences want to hear those stories? And in fact, it's incredibly simple, and that's the equation, or they're the questions that we ask. So we've performed over 100 different productions now in three and a half years. Um, We've performed in 85 different locations. um, And we do, although we've worked in the kind of substantial buildings in Scotland, The work that's been most significant is when we've broken out of those buildings um, and we've worked in ferries, in car parks, in forests, in drill halls, in other places, and we've gone to where the stories need to be told. Um, And for me, I think this is a really liberating way of looking at how theatre can kind of continue to break out of the of the, um, what would you say, of the kind of trap of a kind of single art form on a stage in front of an audience um, and can be more accessible and communicate to audiences differently. The important thing is a lot of stories do need to be told like that, and we still continue to do those, but it's just about breaking out of that. Um, One of the challenging issues for us, which we may talk about if you're interested, is that we're directly funded by the government, um, which means that there is no arm's length body between us and the First Minister, if you like, Alex Salmond, and that's definitely a challenge in terms of running a national organisation and especially with with a company that is, with a um, a parliament which is a nationalist parliament. I don't know what that's going to mean in the future, but that is an interesting debate and that's that's something that we kind of wrestle with continuously. Um, Of course we're very close to that power So there are kind of benefits from that. Um, But one of the things uh, that I reflect on is that when we came up with what's been our kind of internationally and therefore apparently most successful show, Blackwatch, um, um, about the Blackwatch Regiment, um, we did that under a Labour... There was a Labour government in power in Scotland in the Parliament and it was a government who had... Uh, gone to war, and this was about the fact that we shouldn 't have gone to war, and um, which is what Blackwatch is about. of course, as soon as the sNP get in, they deposed the war, um, and therefore we 're doing a piece of theater which is perfect for what they 're trying to communicate so it 's interesting about that shift for us, um, but we at our heart we keep the term creative disloyalty um, to anybody that gives us money, so we 're trying to kind of ask the questions of what that is. Um, I think I'm going to end because I'd like to hear from you, but one of the things that I, um, I, I kind of want to pose, really, is um, what, what should a national theatre be for? Um, we're often asked to perform more work in Scots, to put on the plays that do exist. Um, and to kind of be part of creating that canon and uh, creating a kind of historic legacy of the work that's appeared in Scotland before. I don't feel that it should be for that. I think there are other places where that work takes place. I think the National Theatre that I run, that we're part of, is about harnessing the contemporary voices um, and the contemporary questions of our age and finding a way to communicate those um, and, and to make us understand and question them more. Thank you very much. This conference was supported by the School of Theatre Performance and Cultural Policy Studies at the University of Warwick, Warwick Arts Centre, the Humanities Research Centre at the University of Warwick and the Department of Drama and Theatre at Royal Holloway.